0: Convicted and convinced. A message from God's Word for you. And now here's Dr. Dan Gerard.
1: As we continue these series, people of excellence, we're in the process of noting the biblical edition formula found in First Peter chapter one or second Peter chapter one, verses five, six, and seven. I read from God's Word. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. In our session today, we're looking at the importance of being people of godliness. I read again from 2 Peter chapter 1, a portion of verses 5 and 6, and beside this, giving all diligence add to patience godliness. Before looking at what godliness is, it will do us well to notice what godliness is not. Now, please follow me closely. Godliness is not to be godlike. Now, that may surprise you. But when I make that statement, I am speaking of an unholy desire. When I speak those words, I am speaking of an unbiblical aspiration. Let me illustrate it by directing our attention to Genesis chapter 3. In the Garden of Eden, there was an appeal made by Satan to the serpent to Eve. And do you remember what the appeal involved? Listen intently as Satan said to the woman as recorded in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, referring to the forbidden tree, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and underscore, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil." It was the aim of Satan then, and it is still the aim of Satan today, to get us not only thinking but also believing that we can be as gods. Now, this was not a new desire for Satan. This was not a new aspiration that he came up with there in the Garden of Eden. This has been the desire of Lucifer even while he was in heaven itself before his fall. This desire is recorded in Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 14. Listen closely to the record regarding Lucifer's desire, speaking of himself. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and underscore, I will be like the Most High. And so I repeat, godliness is not to be godlike in an unholy manner. Godliness is not to be godlike in an unbiblical sense of desire and aspiration. So, having laid that foundation, what is godliness? The Bible teaches that godliness is a constant reverence. The Bible teaches that godliness is an abiding respect toward God. The Bible teaches that godliness is a God consciousness. And this involves two areas. It involves a constant awareness of God, and it also involves a constant consideration of God. Because when there is a constant awareness of God, and this constant consideration of God is in our lives, it makes a profound difference in the life that you and I live. If we have a constant awareness of God, if we have a constant consideration of God, there will be certain motivations that will take place in our lives and in our living. And I want to share three important motivations with you. And they're not in the sequence of their importance, but simply because something has to be first and something has to be last. First of all, we will be motivated to serve God. We are living in an age when there are some people who are slaves to things. We're living in an age when there are some people who are slaves to places, But God's desire for you and and God's desire for me is the same desire He had for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They were to be motivated to serve Him, and God's desire is that you and I be motivated to serve Him. Because if we are motivated to serve God, we will willingly become subordinate to the authority of God, and also the authority of one another. Now, will you agree with me that there is a great, great, great moving away from authority in the days in which you and I are living? There is a rebellion against authority. And in an age when so many authorities are being expressed in an age when so many authorities are being promoted, don't you think that our world would be much better off if you and I, as people of godliness, as people of excellence, would be motivated to serve the Lord, to be willing to be subordinate to the authority of our Lord, If we are motivated to serve the Lord, we will submit ourselves to the direction of God. We will do what God says. Not only will we do what God says, but we will do how God says it. Not only will we do what God says and how God says it, we will do when God says it. Next we will be motivated to know more about someone as fascinating as God is. Sometimes we listen to or we sing the song about God being an awesome God, and God is an awesome God. God is fascinating. And as you and I have this element of godliness, this element of constant reverence, This element of God consciousness, we will want to know more and more and more about our Heavenly Father. We we will want to know more and more and more about our Savior. We will want to know more and more about God's sweet Holy Spirit. Oh, I believe that the words of the hymn should be a resounding theme in our lives and living more about Jesus, more about Jesus, more about Jesus. Finally, we will be motivated to live a life that's dedicated to God's glory. Not to our glory, not to the glory of others, but we will be dedicated to God's glory. Now, this life that is dedicated to God's glory will be manifested. It will be exhibited, and it will be exhibited in at least two ways, and I want you to follow me very closely. First of all, this life that is dedicated to God's glory will be manifested in the conversation that will represent God. I'm not being critical and I'm not being negative. But I am appalled and I am startled sometimes at the words I hear that that come out of some of the mouths of my brothers and sisters, words that should never be uttered. The words we speak, if we are motivated to have the glory of the Lord a part of our life and our living will reflect in our reverence for God. Our words that we speak will reflect our respect for God. The words that we speak will reflect our awareness of God. The words we speak will reflect our consideration for our God. My brothers and sisters, the words you and I speak are very, very, very important because they are unto life or they are unto death. We need to be very considerate of what we say and how we say it. Because I believe with all of my mind and all of my heart that sometimes it's possible to say a right thing in a wrong way and do more harm than if you kept your mouth shut. Are you listening to me? Our words must glorify God. And that's why one of the commandments is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God. How? In vain. Second, Second, This life that is dedicated to God's glory will be manifested in conduct that will represent our God. Again, I'm not being critical, not being judgmental, but our actions reveal our reverence or disreverence for God. Our actions will reveal our respect or our disrespect for God. Our actions will reveal our awareness or our non-awareness of God. Our actions will consider or be representative of our consideration of God. God has called us to talk the walk, but God has also called us to walk the talk. Now it's very easy for most of us to talk the walk. I mean, we have learned the words, haven't we? We know the proper things to say. We know the vocabulary. So it's very easy for most of us to talk the walk. But sometimes it's often more difficult and challenging for us to allow our footsteps to represent God. As you and I connect these points together, and as we understand the relevance of addressing godliness in our lives and living, we will come to accept with our minds and with our hearts that this element of godliness will help us to say and to do what is pleasing to God. It will help us to refrain from saying or from doing anything that would displease our awesome God and that would bring reproach to His name. For those that are following me in your Bibles, I, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, the apostle Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. And God's sweet spirit would say the same thing to you and to me today. I want you to listen closely to 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. God desires for there to be great gain in accord with His Word, His will and His way in our lives and in our living. God wants us to be people of excellence. God wants us to not only have life, but to have life more abundantly. And if I understand in my mind, and if I understand in my heart, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, one of the factors That will ensure not just gain, but great gain is for us to be people of godliness with contentment. This kind of godliness, this kind of God consciousness we are studying in this session will directly impact our relationship with our Heavenly Father. But it will not only directly impact our relationship with our Heavenly Father, it will also impact our relationship with others. My relationship to you, your relationship to me, your relationship to each other. We've noted that godliness involves respect toward God. And I don't think any of us will disagree with that, will we? But we must also understand with intellect and with emotion that godliness will also produce respect toward others. And a lack of godliness will produce disrespect toward others. I am to be respectful of you. You are to be respectful of one another and you are to be respectful of me. We are living in an age of great disrespect. And there's more than one way to exhibit disrespect, okay? I want to say again, this kind of godliness that we're looking at today will produce respect toward one another, and a lack of respect will produce disrespect or lack of godliness will produce disrespect toward others. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 3. Paul was inspired to bring attention that his teaching was in accordance to underscore the doctrine which is according to godliness. That was a foundation that was a substance of the preaching ministry and teaching ministry of the Apostle Paul. His doctrine was according to Godliness. I would encourage you to underscore this phrase, not only in your Bibles, but more importantly, in your minds and in your hearts. Now, please follow me closely. I want you to look at the respect for others that this doctrine, which is according to godliness, will produce, back up to verse number one. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their masters, underscore these words, worthy of all honor. Now, what was he saying? He was simply admonishing them to have respect. And as if someone were about to ask, well, Pastor Paul, why is it so important? Why is it so imperative that this respect be present and dominant in our relationships with one another? Why? We're not left to guess. He continued in verse number 1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. So, again, I encourage you to underscore this phrase, if not in your Bibles, at least in your minds and in your hearts. Listen to me, my brothers and sisters. Do we really understand that you and I have the privilege of vindicating the name of God? Do we understand that? Now, what does vindicate mean? It means to clear, right? What do I mean by this? I simply mean that for centuries and for millenniums, Satan has been pointing his crooked finger at Father God and he has been making false accusations against the nature of God and the name of God. And you and I have a wonderful privilege by the life we live in partnership with Jesus Christ as people of excellence to prove Satan wrong. Now I don't know about you, but I do not want to blaspheme the name of God. I don't know about you, but I do not want to blaspheme the doctrine of God. And if I do not show you the proper respect, and if you do not show each other proper respect, and if you do not show me proper respect, my brothers and sisters, The Bible says we are blaspheming the name of God and the doctrine of God. And I would say to you, with all the love and compassion I have, that one of the issues in the Christian world today that has brought us to the place we are is that we are not a respectful people of one another. Amen or ouch? But you might be thinking, Pastor Dan, I'm not a servant. I'm not under the yoke of a master. Well, this is true. But there is a principle here that is relevant to every one of us. It's relevant to Pastor Dan, and it's relevant to you. It's relevant to each of us. And the principle is this. In our relationships with others, there must be respect. May I repeat that? In our relationships with others, there must be respect. Look at verse number two. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren. But rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort. Oh, that that we could understand with mind and heart. Oh, that we could practice with mind and with heart that we are not the enemy of one another. My wife has taught me many valuable lessons through the years. And one of the lessons she has tried to teach me is this. Dan, people are not your enemy. Satan is your enemy. My brothers and sisters, again, I say all that we can understand and practice with mind and heart, that, that we are not to despise one another. Why? Look at it. Because we are brethren. Now, we may not agree with everything everybody says. We may not agree with the way everybody does it. But we must never lose focus of the fact that that we are brothers and we are sisters. Can it be? Can it really be that we need a revival? That we need a revival in the closing hours of our history in regard to the ending part of verse 2? Can it be? Look at it. These things teach and exhort. I only, after today have six more sermons to share with you. And I can say with clearness of conscience that during these 20 months I have been privileged to be pastor of University Parkway 70 Adventist Christian Church. I have endeavored not only with my lips but also with my life to teach and exhort these kinds of issues. We need a balanced teaching and we need a balanced exhorting concerning the doctrine which is according to godliness. It would be doing an injustice for me to leave this text in this context and not note the lack of respect that Paul was also inspired to address because it's very clear that a lack of respect for others is the result of an absence of the doctrine which is according to godliness. I read from verses 3, 4, and 5. If any man, if any woman teach otherwise a different doctrine, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, And to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes and words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmising, perverse disputings of, of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Question. Is Paul saying that, that you and I are not to witness to those kinds of individuals? Is that what he's saying? No. But what he is saying is this. You and I must not allow their attitude We must not allow their deficiencies to infect our lives. And so I ask the question, is the portrait presented in verses 3, 4, and 5 one of respect? Is it? No. You see, these kinds of attitudes, these attitudes of, of envy, and strife, and railings, and evil surmisings, and perverse disputings. These kinds of attitudes develop, and these kinds of attitudes prevail when there is a lack of respect, and there can be no respect for the Lord. There can be no respect for others when there is a refusal to practice the doctrine which is according to godliness. My brothers and sisters, in a day when there is so much disrespect toward God, in a day when there is so much disrespect toward ourselves, in a day when there is so much disrespect toward others, we need an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival, a revival of understanding with mind and with heart how important it is to add godliness to our journey of faith so that you and I may indeed be people of excellence.
0: Dr. Dan Gerard is the pastor of University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org, or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.